0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southwest Junior High Choir podcast. On today's episode, we will be discussing Johann Sebastian Bach from the Baroque period and Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart from the Classical period. We will compare and contrast the two composers and their music and their music's effect on all of the music that followed it. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's get started. All right, so let's start our conversation about Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, he was born in 1685, uh, died in 1750, in what we would call Germany now, but back then was called the Holy Roman empire. And, uh, things were very, very different obviously back then. Um, you know, America didn't exist yet. It was still, we were still British colonies at that point. Uh, we had not declared our independence. It took months to go from Europe to North America by ship. So, uh, and that was a very perilous journey. Um, Things were considerably different in the music world, too. The piano hadn't been invented yet. And so the primary instrument, primary keyboard instrument anyway, was the organ. And, uh, you know, if you've ever seen uh, a pipe organ, uh, if you haven't seen one, you need to look it up on on YouTube uh, and just watch someone play the pipe organ. And that's something that Bach was extremely good at. Um, There'll be several keyboards kind of stacked on top of each other, sometimes five or six, what they call manuals. And, uh, you can preset them with all of these different, uh, settings. These, what they call stops on either side, uh, to channel the, the wind channel, the air that's going through the pipes in a certain way to make it sound, you know, maybe more like a flute in some cases, maybe more like a trumpet in other cases. And so, um, not only were they playing on all those different keyboard manuals with both hands, obviously, but there would be uh, one at their feet, a, a giant keyboard uh, at their feet in which they would press down uh, with their left foot or right foot and uh, play the bass part, the very, very huge pipes that were as big as trees uh, and go, would go up you know, two, three, four stories in the back of the church um and those huge pipes would resonate with with sound as the wind would go through those and of course they had to have someone operating <laughs> the machine in the back uh you know to keep the air flowing through it uh it's a very complicated instrument uh just v- to build to conceive of to uh and then to be able to play it um so it was a very very different time and of course as you can imagine uh if you had a pipe organ, a good one at your church in your town, uh, then you could, uh, you could ask someone who was very good to come play that and pay them a lot of good money. And they would want to, because it's a, it's a very, um, uh, expensive, uh, and impressive instrument to be able to, uh, to, to play. And that was something Bach was very good at. He was very good at imp- improvisation. That's just making it up as you go. Right. So he could sit down and, and come up with a melody, a little theme, and then his left hand would start to do that same melody, but uh, maybe down a perfect fourth or down a perfect fifth. And then he would start playing the melody with his feet while his both hands are still going right and, and playing their, their own little harmony parts to go along with that melody. Uh, and that's what you call counterpoint. You know, he took what you know Palestrina and others before him had come up with and uh, and turned it into his own amazing art form, um, that they call, you know, counterpoint. Um, and it's, it's based off of polyphony. Polyphony is another fancy word that you probably need to know. And, uh, poly meaning many and, uh, funny or phony <laughs> meaning sound. And so, uh, many sounds. And so when you hear, you know, that one melody start, like I said, in his right hand, and then, the, another melody come in with his left hand, they're stacking on top of each other. And so you hear the different Melodies kind of come in and harmonize with each other at different times. And when you put that into singing, uh, you might have someone coming in like, like in Siku Chervus in Palestrina, that was polyphony where they'll have the sing. The part will sing uh, will be the, the certain set of words, the text. And then the next part that comes in, will sing that exact same text, but obviously later on. And so there is uh, people are singing different words or the same words, really, but at different times. Uh, and that's where you get many sounds. And so you hear that sound kind of come and go. The melody go from the altos to the tenors to the basses to the sopranos. I wonder if you can hear that thunder on the podcast. Boy, it's really stormy today, isn't it, on this Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. It's been the, It's the 50th Earth Day, by the way. <laughs> uh, and just a little bit more about the Baroque period, something that you probably need to know about. Uh, I said it was since... You know, the, the most wealthy people were the princes and the kings and the popes and the archbishops who could afford to pay uh, and employ somebody full time to just write music. A lot of the music was very regal and royal sounding and very, you know, it was it was written to be performed in these massive cathedrals, these big churches in, in Europe uh, that go up stories and are made of uh, stone and marble. And, and it was just absolutely a glorious thing. Uh, to hear and these massive pipe organs playing in there. They were also be performed, you know, in these great palaces throughout uh, Italy and uh, in Germany and all throughout Europe. And so they have a certain sound to them, a very royal regal sound that is full of ornamentation where the notes, um, there's a lot of notes going on and a lot of extra notes, little trills and turns and things that they add in just for fun, just to, uh, you know, ornament the music to put it's like putting ornaments on a tree you know you're just decorating it and making it sound uh, as complicated as possible really and it became so complicated that later on when Mozart comes along in the classical period they really pull back from that they break that down and they get away from all of that extra uh, what we would call nowadays extra right (laughs) so they uh, simplified things throughout the classical period and that's what we'll talk about next with Mozart Oh, but wait a second, there's something coming up here. Hang on. Well, you know what that sound means. It means it's time for the trivia question for today. We have a $10 Sonic gift card to give away today. $10 Sonic gift card to the first person who can text or email me the answer to this question. This Austrian rap pop star in 1985 released the song Rock Me Amadeus. It climbed to number one in the charts and it stayed in the Billboard charts for 17 weeks on into 1986. He also released a follow-up song, Vienna Calling. Hello, Vienna Calling. What was his name? Austrian pop rock star, or rap star rather, who released the song Rock Me Amadeus in 1985? Good luck! All right, now let's continue our conversation here with Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Now, Mozart He's got to be one of my favorites, uh, maybe my favorite composer of all time uh, for a lot of different reasons. I like Bach, don't get me wrong, uh, and I very much respect Bach, but I don't listen to a lot of Bach. There are a few of his pieces that I really, really do enjoy, um, but there's something about Mozart. There's something about the way he has control of the form of the, of the piece. In other words, the way it's written from start to finish, be it a five minute piece or, or a two hour opera, he has a very good, uh, understanding of the beginning, the middle, the end of a, of a balance to it. And that's something that's very, um, indicative of the classical period. So it wasn't so random as the, as the, uh, Baroque era where sometimes things could go on and on and on. And, It never felt like it had a beginning and a middle and an end to it. It just started and then it stopped. Whereas with Mozart, you feel as if he's telling a story, like there's a reason behind everything. There's a question and then there's an answer and there's symmetry to the music. So you might have like, I believe it's his 40th symphony. That's the question. That's the answer. Ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum, ba-da-da-dum. There's another question, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum. and so everything has that kind of rise and fall to it, the beginning and an end to it. And so, to me, it just it, it's very pleasing to the ear, uh, and it just makes you feel good. There's <laughs> something about it. Uh, he was, you know, he lived a little bit later than than uh, Bach, and and like a lot of things, you know, things kind of fall out of, of of fashion, out of style. And so at this point, box music, even though it was well-respected, had kind of fallen out of style. It was no longer uh, the cool, fashionable thing to be playing or listening to. And Mozart took a lot of the lessons he learned from him. But like I said, he simplified them and brought them down into a, a much more compact kind of style. He lived from 1756 to 1791. And what are some things going on at that point? Well, America had become an independent nation at that point. Right. Uh, even though the harpsichord and the organ were still popular, you know, the piano had been invented and it was starting to gain popularity. And so by the, the end of Mozart's career, he started, uh, he wrote a lot of things for piano and, uh, some absolutely wonderful compositions for piano. And those are some of the first ones to have been written. Uh, he was not very good with money though. <laughs> and he, was pretty poor most of his life. Whereas, you know, Bach was pretty satisfied and, and wealthy and, 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 you know, just happy where he was. Mozart never seemed like he was happy where he was. He always felt like um, that he wanted something bigger, something better. And I think that part of that comes from the fact that he was so talented, that he knew he was so good that he kept thinking there's, there's another opera or there's another symphony that I could write. That's just going to be even better than the last one. And, um, so he never felt like he was in the right place and, uh, he wasn't good with money, like I said. And so he was always looking for work, always looking to write it something else. Um, and because of that, even though he didn't live very long, um, he wrote an enormous amount of music. It was very prolific, wrote a ton of music that was all amazing, <laughs> top quality music. Uh, and one more really cool thing about, you know, Mozart and, and the way that he would write is, you know, of course he was using a an ink uh, pen, a quill pen dipped in ink, right? And then he would write on parchment paper and it was perfect the first time through. So the first draft of music that he would write, and these are co- extremely complex works, of music right you know with symphonies that had all the different instruments and operas that had all the the choruses and the solo parts and he would write the entire thing from beginning to end perfectly without missing a note uh never had a second draft now there's something about that that is a very difficult feat for anyone in any art form that's like sitting down and writing a novel um let's say in a week and it being perfect from the first word in the first chapter to the end of the novel. It's almost impossible to do that. So he, uh, again, that's another reason why he's one of my favorites. Uh, He was just a superstar. He was an amazing uh, composer because of that simple fact right there. And because it was just so good. And just a few more things about the classical period. And you'll hear this a lot with his music is that symmetry that I talked about before. And a symmetry, of course, is like if something's even on both ends, if you were to draw a line down, like a y-axis, it's equal on both sides. Uh, And a lot of his music is is very much like that. It'll have that question, and then the answer, and then another question, and then the answer. And so it's even on both sides. Um, The dynamics, though, will rise and fall with that. And so that's a little different from what you hear in Baroque, where it's much more... For five minutes, it's soft. And then the next movement, it might be loud for five minutes. Mozart's music has a lot of rise and fall to it from measure to measure and line to line. So it feels a lot more alive, I think, because of that. And again, that makes it a lot more pleasant for me to listen to. Uh, And you're going to hear instead of what we call polyphony, although he did use a lot of polyphony, something to make it a little bit more understandable. We talked about how polyphony when you're singing with the text, it's sometimes hard to understand because all the different parts are stacking and they're singing the same words, but at different times. And so it's hard to understand. Whereas if you put everyone together, bass, alto, soprano, tenor, and you're all singing the same words at the same time, like on the Sire that I included on here, which by the way, if you're, you know, If you're in harmony, you sang a Dies Irae this year. If you were in select men, you sang it last year. Different versions, not Mozart's Dies Irae, but same words, same meaning, right? The day of wrath, the day of judgment. Uh, You hear those four parts coming in and they're all together and they're all singing the words Dies Irae. And because of that, it has a little extra emphasis to it. It's very obvious, uh, very easy to understand it, obviously, but it also has more of an emphasis because everyone in the choir is singing the same words at the same time that is different from polyphony meaning many sounds this is called homophony we meaning same sound so everyone is singing the same words at the same time so that's the difference between polyphony and homophony and you're going to hear that uh, later on through all the other periods of music as well so Hopefully you learned a little bit about Bach and and Mozart today and uh, just do some exploring on your own and get on YouTube just, you know, and see what you can find, see what uh, what you enjoy and look for their greatest hits. You know, just like everyone else, they've got greatest hits. Their influence uh, goes for hundreds of years. You know, we're still being influenced by the music that they wrote hundreds of years ago. Thank you for listening to another episode of the southwest junior high choir podcast today we talked a little bit about bach in the baroque period and mozart in the classical period Uh, do a little bit of homework on your own and uh, investigate see if uh, see which one of those you prefer bach or mozart now we'll be continuing our journey uh, through the choral composers in history into the romantic period tomorrow and uh, we'll be talking about a a guy that you've probably heard of by the name of Beethoven and we're talking about the composer not the dog don't forget about the trivia question as well Uh, first one who texts or emails me the answer the correct answer to the trivia question for today will win that $10 sonic gift card until then keep singing and go cougars